Hello there. Welcome to a podcast for The Lancet Neurology. It's October 16th, 2018, and today we're going to be discussing a new paper on daily and weekly cycles of epileptic seizures. Our own Richard Lane, web editor at The Lancet, is in conversation with Mark Cook and Philippa Caroli. Hi, I'm Mark Cook. I'm Professor of Neurology at the University of Melbourne and Director of the Graham Clark Institute. Hi, I'm Philippa Caroli. I'm a PhD student and researcher at the University of Melbourne, Graham Clark Institute. Thank you both very much indeed for talking to The Lancet Neurology. Now, we're going to be discussing your paper about seizure cycles in epilepsy. I understand a lot of work has been done in this field. Could you start off by giving us some context behind your study, please? Sure. So cycles in epilepsy were a matter of great interest in ancient times when they were often related to phases of the moon and the sun. And they were quite a preoccupation looking through some of the ancient literature. Interest continued, and so right up until the early part of the 20th century, there was a lot of information available on cycles in epilepsy, much of it acquired from institutionalised patients, where in these, at the time, colonies of people with epilepsy, very careful observations could be made by the staff of the frequency and timing of seizures, and detailed records were kept. And from these, cycles were identified, which were intriguing, but never fully explained by our understanding of epilepsy at the time, or, for that matter, uh, open to any therapeutic opportunities. In more recent times, there's been interest because of our ability to acquire long-term recordings of seizure data. And so there have been some very interesting studies in recent months relating to the recognition of these patterns that underlie the occurrence of epileptic seizures. So there have been a lot of interest in, in ancient times, running through to not so very long ago, that it sort of faded away through most of the 20th century, which has really only come back into the focus of uh, researchers because of new technologies which have let us accurately capture seizure activity. And so that's what's led our work. Thank you, Mark. That's really fascinating, particularly the, the historical context there. Gosh, it really is historical as well. So that is interesting. So it sounds like the pendulum's swinging back again from what you're saying. So what were your aims in terms of what you're trying to achieve to build on existing knowledge from your study? And, and what did you find out from the study? Well, we learned in our study that there are these cycles in epilepsy which run over many orders of magnitude so that we learned from earlier work that there were cycles underlying the pattern of seizures, maybe of minutes and hours, but also that there were very strong cycles running over a 24-hour time frame and running out to a week and even longer periods and that these cycles were very strong. So this was very interesting because... For us, it gave an opportunity to look at other ways of predicting seizures, but also opened possibilities around therapy, because if you know when seizures might happen, and if they conform to a cycle, perhaps it's not necessary to provide medications in the way we do now, which is to continuously prescribe medications to be taken to achieve a constant level in the blood to control an unpredictable condition. So if you have some insight into when the problem might occur, then Obviously, the opportunity presents itself perhaps to intervene periodically to prevent seizures developing. And this would uh, avoid patients collecting the long-term consequences of regular medication that they do at the moment. So that's been a big driving factor. And as well, it would uh, potentially let us tune other therapies, electrical stimulation therapies, for instance, to the timing of these seizures, which would save a lot of energy with the devices and, and prolong their lifespan. So there, there's plenty of good things we can do once we've learnt the pattern of seizures and once we can see how reliable they are for an individual. 
The aim of this study was to go and characterise the strength and prevalence of cycles of seizures uh, over very long-term data and in, at an individual level. And because we have the availability of individuals' own diaries, mobile and wearable devices that they're using to record their seizures, we were able to do this at an unprecedented scale. And that was using the Seizure Tracker mobile app. And I think the two biggest findings from my perspective was just how common cycles were. So over 80% of the cohort, and this is a cohort of thousands of people with all different sorts of epilepsies, over 80% of these people had at least one cycle modulating their seizure time. And one-fifth of people, so over 20%, had a seven-day cycle, which is really surprising to me because we, we do know that there are strong circadian rhythms that affect our brain activity, but to see these strong entrainment to a seven-day cycle is phenomenal in, in such a large proportion of people. And again, over 20% of people had longer cycles of over three weeks in length, and that is quite a surprising proportion of people, I think, and it was unexpected for us that so many people would demonstrate these slow cycles modulating their seizures. That is fascinating. So moving on from that, what, what are the, do you think are the clinical implications of these findings? They must be profound. Well, I think so. If we can listen to patients a bit better, perhaps, we can recognise these cycles already because often people do tell you things like this in, in, in the normal uh, range of your clinical activities when you see people, but we've tended not to pay too much attention to it in the past. I think if we pay a little bit more attention to it, we can recognise that these are very important components of epilepsy and the periodicity of epilepsy has been recognised for a long time, but I don't think we've really understood that we can perhaps harness that um, in a way, not only for therapies, but as I mentioned before, for predictive purposes. And that this could be used not only to determine when and how we give medications and other therapies, but also to help patients manage their lives a little better. Ultimately, we'd like to use this information in apps and systems which let patients get an idea of how likely they are to have a seizure in the day or so ahead. And this kind of forecasting will let people manage their routine so that they're safer and also uh, a lot more independent than perhaps they are at the moment. So I guess we've tended to view these things as an, an interesting detail in epilepsy, the fact that people might have these cycles, but I think they're very much more than that. They're, they're an intrinsic and important feature which we can use in a routine clinical management of people once we understand it. Now, a big problem has been accurately logging the information and collecting this data and collecting on a scale large enough to be able to understand this. And so the work we did originally with the NeuroVista data set, which was a very high resolution set of data collected from an intracranial study of epilepsy in ambulatory patients, where we collected information for up to three years at a time, we had huge amounts of data that we could analyze at very great uh, length, but it was from a relatively small number of patients with about 12 patients overall from the 15 patient study being suitable for our analysis. And so we could recognize these patterns there but weren't sure in this very refractory group of patients whether it would be something that extended to the ordinary patient with epilepsy. So we went to the seizure track of people in the States and Rob Moss and the crew who run that were very helpful and provided us an enormous amount of data from a vast number of patients. And although this data is much 
lower resolution compared to the data we collected from intracranial studies, uh, given that it was all self-reported data from patients using a phone app. It wasn't quite as crystal clear, but there was so much of it that we were able to determine accurately that these patterns existed for most patients with epilepsy, and that was the really startling and intriguing feature of the study. So it was a great combination of some very high-resolution data in a small number of patients and then showing that we could extend that out to this low-resolution data from a huge number of patients, but still that for individual patients you could recognise these patterns, which will ultimately allow us to give them back the information they need to manage their lives. Sounds incredibly elegant. Thank you very much for explaining it, describing it so articulately. But on, on the research question... Where next? What, where are we going next in terms of research? The next step for us, and one of the things that was so exciting, as Mark said, is that we were able to find these beautiful signals from relatively low-resolution diaries. So we have this tool that's available to anyone with a smartphone, which makes it an incredibly powerful tool. So we can collect a lot of data and we can make the next research efforts widely available. And where we're going with this is into seizure forecasting. And we had another paper out two years ago which described how you could use these cycles of seizure likelihood, whether that's a 24 cycle or a seven day or any arbitrary cycle of seizure likelihood and combine these cycles together with one another and also with other information. So perhaps their sleep quality, perhaps it's the seasonal weather information and perhaps it's information recorded uh, either from heart rate or brain activity directly, but combining this information from cycles and other data, what you get is a much stronger estimate of the someone's seizure likelihood and how that changes through time. And we would like to provide that estimate to patients in real time via mobile apps. And that will be a seizure forecast. And that's where we'd like to take this data next. Absolutely fascinating. Thank you very much. Mark, any concluding remarks from you? I think that what will be really exciting will be to see that we can turn this into something that's clinically relevant, not only with the forecasting, but with administration of medication. And that would be great if we were able to tell people when they could take more medication or less medication and manage things like that. That would be a, a great next step in this. But as well, we'd really like to understand what underlies these rhythms. At the moment, we don't have any candidate for what's driving the longer rhythms in terms of whether it's hormonal or an electrical phenomenon or whether it's a very fundamental part of the behaviour of brain. We have some small inklings into this and, and we do believe that there are features of brain which let it tell the time, maybe over very long scales and that's something else that we're working on at the moment. And perhaps the occurrence of seizures relate to changes in brain excitability which are a fundamental property of cortical function which do cycle over long periods. Again, whether that's something that we can understand better and perhaps modulate deliberately to improve seizure control, I think is probably uh, where we're heading in the future. Wow, that is so intriguing. Thank you very much. It's a very interesting, exciting field and uh, it's a terrific paper. I've really enjoyed speaking to you both, Mark and Philippa. Many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet Neurology. Thank you very much, Richard. Thank you.